Okay, so it's been a while. Uh, it's been two weeks, actually, uh, since the last episode. Uh, so essentially, I skipped a week. And I um, have reasons, but that's not very important right now. What's important is what happened. And I'm saying important the way I am because I want to enunciate every single thing. But uh, I want to get right into everything I wanted to talk about. I got quite a bit of stuff um, that I do want to talk about. So I want to start right off with a clip, a clip that got me thinking. So last Sunday, last Sunday, I was uh, asked by the elder of the church. In Romanian, we call him the presbyta, which is just the presbytery, but he is the elder of the presbytery, since in English, the presbytery is translated differently uh, to mean basically the clergy, but not the clergy, because the clergy has to do with people who give, um, who are um, ordained ministers, I guess. And the presbytery is more like the leadership and elders of the church. But I was asked by this guy to give a message. And then I was also asked by the preacher that we have as our lead and senior pastor to give a uh, extra long one. And uh, during my thinking process, that happens a lot of the time, I'll think about things that I'd like to talk about and then try and find biblical examples. And um, honestly, that's not, that's not the way that I actually am convinced a sermon should be structured. I don't think it should be a thought that comes from your mind that you try and back up with scripture. I think it should be something that you read scripture and then you try and make a uh, compelling message based on what you've or what's been revealed to you. And in uh, like in the last episode, I talked about that's the difference between insegesis and exegesis. Insegesis is letting uh, is a uh, is reading into the scripture what you already have in your mind, but exegesis is receiving from the scripture what you had it or what the scripture is like is uh revealing unto you excuse me for all the stutters and missteps in uh speaking here but without getting too theological here without getting too much into a, a bible study podcast because like i said in the last episode as well i don't like taking a audience making them captured and then acting like oh well i'm going to teach jesus to you that's not the point here i'd like to at some point in the future give a um somewhat of a message or a statement of faith or something of that nature so that way anyone who would like to know my spiritual affiliation whatever you would call it anyone who wants to know that would actually be able to hear it and hear it from the horse's mouth so to say but getting into this clip i want you guys to listen to this because this clip is what i based roughly my entire exhortation message on and like i already said before it goes against what i actually think should be done in the preparation of some sort of exhortation or sermon message and that is that you should be getting it from the word and then uh relaying that information to others to try and help them get to the same area that you're at because of what you've read but keeping all that to the side for now this this message by Dr. Jordan Peterson, it wasn't necessarily a message, it was a, um, a talk that he had with uh, a leader in the Catholic Church, I believe it was. Uh, I didn't watch the whole video, I just watched the clip, I need to go back and watch the whole thing, but it was a clip of a conversation he had with that guy about the Israelites and them wandering through the wilderness and his... Uh, psychoanalytical breakdown of the story. So I want to play that for you, and then I will speak to you a little bit about what my exhortation message was, and we'll go from there. And then the Israelites are wandering around in the desert, and what happens? Well, 
the same thing happened to them as is happening to us. They're worshiping false idols and they're tempted. And it's no wonder they're tempted because while they're in the desert, it's like it's not going so well. It's no wonder they're having a crisis of confidence, you know, and, and maybe they're pining for the old days and they're not so sure that the God who informed them that being the subjects of tyranny was wrong because now here we are in the desert. And so they lack faith. I actually just caught, by replaying that and hearing it in the earphones, I actually just now, for the first time, caught that there was a baby crying in the background. And it's funny because that's exactly what it's like in every church service. But the whole, the whole thing, I'll put a link to it in the show, no- show notes, haha, in the chapters of the Podcasting 2.0 uh, apps that, you'd, um, that you would use. So if anyone's listening, and one more thing, anyway, if anyone, I'll, I'll make a point of that after this. But it, it makes, he makes the point in this lecture that I will link in the chapters for your podcasting 2.0 players. He makes the point that because there is such a thing as tyranny, and because we have an example in the Bible of how someone experienced tyranny in two separate ways, tyranny from man and essentially tyranny from the Lord, that's something that you can look forward to in life. It's, it's almost, not almost, it is definitely more certain than taxes. There's, there's the, the old saying that says there's two things you can be certain of in life, and that's death and taxes. And I think we need to rephrase that to say you can be certain of death, tragedy, and taxes. And I guess tragedy can kind of kick taxes to the curb because that is a tragedy. But... I understand the utility of certain taxes, and I understand that there is a necessity for it in certain situations, even though it's theft. Um, Potholes are the best example. I don't want to pay for them. Nobody else wants to pay for them, but we're all using the roads, so we need to have a pool for something of that nature. And then you can go towards social programs that are actually necessary just to help people get on their feet because churches have relinquished that responsibility to the government. So either way, all that aside, all that extra conversation that I've actually already had in a different podcast on the ideas I had episode but all that aside the final point of the message that he gave or the conversation that he was having of the clip that i made and of the section of that video that i watched he made the point that the whole point of the snakes the whole point of raising the serpent up on the staff that moses had to do that he was instructed by god was that you're not getting rid of snakes there will always be snakes whether that is what i spoke about in the last episode being people that are in your life that are just the worst, or whether that be dangers and afflictions and trials and tribulations and anything that you can ascribe to be synonymous with the mental image in Judeo-Christian worldviews of what a snake represents. So, the problem is that there will be tragedy in this world. But there's always something, and because, and his main point was that hell is a bottomless pit. And the reason why it's bottomless is because there's some stupid thing that you can do as a stupid human to make it a little bit worse. And that was the title of my exhortation message, was don't make things worse. And I tied in a couple of his points. I used scripture to back up my examples. I used the story of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. I used stories of Job. I used all sorts of stories that were written in the Bible, and I believe they were real, not just stories that were made up, but I used that 
and I made the story, I made the message uh, as clear, concise, and understandable as possible. And promptly afterwards, I started making things worse. So right after the, uh, I gave the message, right after that day, I went to go do a whole bunch of other things that I know it's not respecting the Sabbath, but I went to go do some work. I went to go do some other things. And I promptly just made everything worse. Right after my message, I was in charge of the sound booth since our sound guy was gone. And I, just feedback everywhere. The computer password wasn't being taken, so we didn't have lyrics for, for songs, for the worship uh, portion of the service. Everything was horrible. Everything. And everyone was turning around and looking at me like, hey, aren't you the guy who just said that you shouldn't make things worse? What are you doing? What are you doing back there? What are you doing? So it was, it was just like, man, it was one of the, the harshest days and reality checks that I've ever had was like, hey, it's one of those practice what you preach things. But it's also like, what are you going to do? You know, a lot of these things were kind of stuff that I couldn't take care of myself. Eh, whatever. I'm complaining. Speaking of what I wanted to talk about before, so I said that uh, if anyone's using a podcasting 2.0 app, now, since the inception of this show specifically, I wanted to keep it specifically and only podcasting 2.0. So the only podcast apps that would be able to find my show to have them to have my show indexed would be any podcasting 2.0 app that uses the podcast index directory for indexing podcasts and not the Apple index. And that was my own personal decision. Now, the problem with that whole mindset is that only podcasting 2.0 apps will find you. So for you to say, for me to say, sorry, in my uh, show notes in every single episode since the inception of this thing is that you should listen to my show on a podcast app that respects the podcasting standards and then have a link to podcast index uh, or newpodcastapps.com. It, um, it seemed a little counterintuitive. It just seemed like it wasn't, um, I don't know, it wasn't clean. It didn't seem like it fulfilled the, um, excuse me, it didn't seem like it filled the need that I wanted it to fill. So not only that, since my brother came on that last episode or, yeah, one, I think we only did one live, I think. Yeah, we only did one live episode so far. We we're planning on doing more, but he just started college and um, it's kind of hard with his schedule and my schedule to work out at the same time. Plus, I got two young kids and a wife and... Um, I use that as a, an excuse for most everything that I can't uh, honor. Every single uh, scheduled appointment that I can't honor, I'll use that excuse. I got two kids, man. And uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes someone says, hey, I got five and I still make my things work. But anyway, because of all these reasons, I decided to make my podcast available on the Apple podcast directory. Um, feel like selling my soul a little bit here, but... I don't know. We'll see. I can remove it in the future, which is going to be a lot harder of a process, but it's there. It's not on Spotify. It's not on Google Podcasts. It's not on Stitcher. And that to me is for good reason, because I do not want any dynamically inserted ads. I don't want any of those. I don't want any ads on my podcast other than the host read ads that aren't even ads more than recommendations of places to go. Speaking of which, there is a auto shop that I'm taking my car to. If anyone's in the Spokane area, go to Walker's Automotive. Great guy. Talk to Clyde. He is a great dude to do business with. I'm going to get my car just fixed up right good by that gentleman in his institution. So if anyone wants to 
deal with good humans, go ahead and go to that guy if you're in the Spokane area. Spokane, Washington. But there's all that about the uh, getting it up onto, onto different indexes just because I feel like I, everyone has a right to know what's going on, especially if someone's using a non-podcasting 2.0 app. Just so you know, since it's there, I feel like I feel like this actually does achieve this one goal that if others are turned on to the show on the pod, the Apple podcast ecosystem, then they'll be, what is it, exposed to me talking about podcasting 2.0 apps. Now, I love using Fountain just because Fountain has a great community. I started really uh, working with Fountain app, meaning making clips. Once you start investing yourself in that, in, in a uh, podcast app or really any app in general, and you start building content for it, then it's hard to leave that platform. So I tried to go back to Castomatic because Castomatic, I think, has one of the cleaner user interfaces. It's so clean, in my opinion. It's almost like the app that Apple should buy up to use as the baseline for their own app and then just integrate all the podcasting 2.0 features. But that's just me. Moving along. Moving along, I got a lot to talk about. Bees. Bees as in the flying bug bees. I learned a whole heck of a lot about bees. Now, I don't know if anyone else knows this stuff, so I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it real quick just because it's something that I learned and I think that this is incredible and just really cool to know how this stuff works. Now, my brother-in-law's brother, so also my brother-in-law, but just so I can get the relationship out of the way, he used to keep bees. For about three years of his life in California, he kept bees. And during that time, he did a whole lot of uh, research on YouTube to figure out the best way to take care of them, the cycles of bees, how they operate, just everything he could learn about keeping bees and their lifestyle, their, the way that they live. And during his studies, he came upon a whole bunch of information that he decided to share with me one day. So here's something that is very interesting to know. A queen bee lives way longer than any bee. Now that's kind of understood by most people. I think it's like three to five years that queen bee can live. And that queen bee gives birth to all the bees in the hive. But the question is, how does that queen bee get pregnant? Who is the bee? It's not like every single male bee in the hive goes through and has their way with the queen. That's not how it works. There are what's called drone bees. And these drones are the ones who have to vie for their position to be able to mate with the queen bee. Now, that drone gives off enough of its DNA into the queen to house every single bed in the hive, so to speak, for the foreseeable future, the life of the queen. Now, once that, that drone has his way, I think it was that he dies off, kind of like most things in the animal kingdom. Like when uh, praying mantis is doing their business, the male's head gets cut off by the female mid-process which is kind of creepy, kind of weird, and I don't understand the reasoning, but it happens. Now, with queen bees, once the queen gets inseminated by the drone bee, that drone, his characteristics, so if he's a, we'll call him milk toast. If he's a milk toast drone, then all the bees in that hive will be milk toast. They'll just be pushovers. Now, if he's aggressive, if he's like the freaking wolverine, then then every single bee in that hive will be aggressive for, for the foreseeable future. And that's just 
There's no way to stop it. That's just how it works. There is one way, though. So the way that bees actually get their queens is a whole other issue. Check this out. The way that a queen bee gets promoted to queen bee is a literal trial by fire. Literally. And this is how it works. So if there is, if the whole hive gets the mindset that we need a new queen for whatever reason, I mean, and, and you know, if we, if we could talk to bees, we'd figure it out, but we don't. So well, the way that they do this is all the bees have the same hive mind and they decide we need a new queen. So what will happen is every single honeybee that produces honey in the hive makes a special kind of honey. And I believe it's the, I, I'm pretty sure it's the kind that is made up of the proper materials to form a queen bee out of specific larvae. And they just know this. So what will happen is when it's queen bee finding season, they will make about five, I think it's five to eight different combs or whatever they are, little houses that are slightly larger, but larger enough to know that they're larger, little cells for where the larvae are going to go that are going to become the queens. And every single bee in the hive puts a certain amount of small honey or special jelly, I think is what they call, the uh, magic jelly, something like this. They put that small amount into that until every bee has contributed to this. Then the incubation period starts, then they all hatch, and they have an election. All the bees decide which queen is going to be queen. But what happens to the other ones? Here's the crazy thing. The existing queen and the other ones get killed off by the rest of the hive. And the way they do this is the way they keep warm in the winter. They start flapping their wings and burn this thing alive. They overheat the queen. They flap their wings enough to generate heat and they overheat the queen. And it turns into like this knockdown, drag out match where the queen bee is starting to like use her stinger that she has to murder all these bees that are trying to kill her. But everyone is still just flapping away like we're doing this for the better good. This is for your own good. And the queen's over there like, stop. And there's no way to stop it. It just goes and they kill her off and they put the other one in her place, have a drone come through and make new babies. And that's how bees make new queens. And that's how they operate. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I thought it was the coolest thing. I thought I'd like to share it with people. If you like it, awesome. Moving on. This is where we're going to get into a little bit of conspiracy. Yeah. So, this isn't a conspiracy as much as it is a theory. I have a theory about angels. So this one's going to be a little bit more biblical in nature, kind of, sort of, kind of. The whole podcast, I guess, I should, I should title this something that, uh, that would prepare people for this. But I have a theory about angels. About angels. Sorry, my noise gate is really cutting me out here, and I can hear it, but I'm trying to stay as quiet as possible. I'm, I'm going to upgrade my setup soon. Uh, my birthday's coming up soon, and hopefully I can get some uh, cash money. Just send your cash. Hopefully I can get, I swear I have ADHD. Hopefully I can get some cash money where I can afford a better setup. I went, oh my goodness, I got so much to talk about. Back to topic. And then I'll bring this back to where I went and what I, this is a mental note, bring this back to Guitar Center. Okay. Angels. I want to propose a question to everyone in the audience who's listening. Anyone who ever listened, anyone who ever has listened before, I'm proposing a question. This isn't live. I'm kind of sick and tired of live. 
I, I tried it. I did well, technically, off of two episodes, one by myself and one with my brother. I did well, I think. I'd like to think so. But I'm kind of sick and tired of it. Just just because it's, I don't know, it seems like I'm, I'm uh, expected to be there at a specific time. And once that happens and it becomes a job, and if it becomes a job, then I hate it. And I do everything I can to avoid it. So, where was I? There's my ADHD again. Stupid. I have a theory about angels. So, the theory goes like this. What are humans made up of chemically? Humans have a chemical composition. And the chemical composition consists of things like, uh, there's a little bit of gold, there's zinc, there's calcium, there's all sorts of different things. And there's, there's a surprising amount of, what would you call it, similarities between the chemical composition of humans and the chemical composition of stars, specifically in the gases section. I'm trying to find uh, trying to find this thing, this thing. I'm sorry. I have a note that that I put together that actually had the exact uh, composition of as far as we know, uh, as far as science tells us, of what humans are made of and what uh, stars are made up of uh, chemically. So as far as gases are concerned, there's different stars, and they all have a different amount of gases that they off-put, different amount of minerals, iron, uh, uh, what else, what else, what else, what else, uh, helium, oxygen, uh, all sorts of different gases that are put off by certain stars to give them a certain color, certain brightness during a certain time of their life, all sorts of things. But there is a chemical composition of every material in the universe that is tangible. And having that be the case... Everything that, that has, what, what we'll call it, DNA, has a certain type of chemical makeup. Everything that doesn't, so lifeless and uh, objects, so objects that are lifeless and objects that are full of life have different chemical makeups. Anyway, stars have a specific chemical makeup. Now, in a portion of the, I gotta find this for you. I gotta find this for you. I'm pausing this and I'll come back. Isn't that the great thing about not being live? I can take as much time as I want to go ahead and find something. It only took about four minutes, but I... Four minutes sucks for me, but uh, it wasn't... It was probably that long. 1 Corinthians 15, 40. Or let's go with 39 and 40. It says, All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. Now, I want anyone who does not believe in i'm going to use the word angels right or sorry aliens right now and i'll explain my idea of aliens in the future but for right now if anyone who doesn't believe in aliens explain this verse away okay now and this isn't all in the same context as far as the bible is concerned and bible interpretation is concerned context is king most of the time if the context the context around a an or an obscure verse dictates how to interpret that verse moving on it says uh, I'll recap. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Now, well, let's read 41. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. Now, in that same chapter, Paul talks about seed, 
and seed in the uh, modern terminology, we can we can make it synonymous with DNA. Because if anyone was if anyone was raised in a uh, Christian household, you tell me if you ever made a joke about the word seed in this way. Uh, my brothers and I thought we were really clever when we figured out about the word seed and. We thought it'd be hilarious to talk about fornication in the sense of, I'm going to spill my seed all over your garden. I'm going to plant this seed in that garden plot. And that's how we would talk about this stuff. And we thought we were hilarious. Now, if that's something anyone else has thought of, let me know, because that's hilarious to me if other people thought the same. But speaking of seed, it talks about how to each body, each body has its own seed. Actually, let me read that too, because I need to actually read that to you the way it is. Otherwise, I'm paraphrasing, and then uh, it sounds like I'm just excuse making this up. Now, it says right here. Wow. I am not good at finding things like this. That is terrible. I'm talking about, uh, hmm. oh, yeah, there it is, verse 38, or we'll go with, uh, yeah, we'll go 38. It says, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed its own, or his own body. So, Breaking the verse down, that second part of the verse, where it talks about every seed, his own body. And I like how the Bible uses the word his when it talks about seed, not because of uh, the sexes or anything, but because it implies that the seed of any given organism is already a life form in itself, or at least has the potential for life in itself. So it ascribes a human, what is that? Is that a verb? A pronoun? Yeah, it describes a living pronoun or a human pronoun to specific seed to give it the implication that that thing can bear life. And yeah, yeah, and that. So to every seed, its own body. And then it talks about the different bodies. So right after it talks about every God giveth everything its own body and to every seed, it's his own body. Right after it talks about that, it goes into the different bodies, the bodies of human or the flesh. The flesh of human is the body of the human, then of the fish, then of the beasts of the wild or the, the uh, what you call it, beasts of the wilderness, the fish in the sea, the stars. If that's all in the same context, that means that stars have seed. Now, I'm stretching here for most people, but this is, if anyone, if anyone thinks of any other, I'm going to call it conspiracy theory, but I'm just going to call it a theory moving forward in this. But if I say theory, you know what I mean? I'm just not going to say conspiracy because that, that has a negative connotation. But if anyone believes in any kind of theory of this nature, this is not that, that far out from your standard realm of theories. It has chemical makeup. If it has chemical makeup, and we have chemical makeup, what's so hard to believe? What's the big stretch to say that a star can't be a living being. Living in its own way, just like plants are living beings, but we don't consider them intelligent. Even though 
some some people do. Some people do call plants intelligent. There's supposed to be a whole nervous system in the earth between plants and how they communicate and using pheromones and all sorts of different things. But aside from all that, aside from all that, let's just get down to base level understanding. Plants are different living organisms. They have different chemical makeup. Just because they're not humans doesn't mean they're not life or living. They, they don't have life or are living. Same thing with stars, in my opinion. This is Claude stretching based on two Bible verses and a theory on chemical composition. So this is just me being me. I'm not, I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that anyone else should believe what I believe. I'm just saying here is this. This is how I've come to my conclusion. Now, that is my conspiracy segment. Se segment. If anyone thinks that this is a, a, a good segment to keep on going with, then let me know. But that's something that I wanted everyone to ponder just for a while. Just think about that for a while. And, and I think I said it in, my last, in one of my last episodes, science catches up with the Bible. It's a weird way to put it, but science catches up with the Bible. And an example, clear example of that is astral seismology. If you don't know what astral seismology is, you can look it up or you could listen to the next 30 seconds. Astral seismology is the study of sound waves that are put off by stars. Stars put off sound waves because they have mass. They have, they take up, uh, what do you call it? Space in time. And because of that, they have a vibrational pattern that can be measured in Hertz. And if mapped to a keyboard, you can make sound waves with that the sound frequencies coming off of stars it is it is the study of ast of sound waves put off by stars astral seismology and in job there is a verse that talks about the stars singing out unto the lord so i know i know it's a bit of a stretch i understand but it's kind of cool you have to admit it's kind of cool to think that that was already written down and yeah maybe they didn't i mean if you want to get uh not faith on this you can say yeah maybe they just said something and now we found something that sounds similar but it's not the same thing okay but that's the case so continuing on continuing on i need i still have a lot to talk about but there is um there's something i wanted to talk about there's something i wanted to talk about let's get into let's get into this this is going to be the love of money segment and i need to change my value for value segment music into the money song that i have i'm th i think i'm gonna do that and then yeah yeah i'm gonna do that but anyway there's a well let's, let's let's do this let's do this let me play this for you um, anyway so um so you know i learn a lot and uh and just about how poor our food situation is um and and it really comes down to the processing he says it's it's lost it's a lost cause the retooling has started um yeah. the food processors are going full-on bugs uh cricket flour will be the way it sneaks in it's animal oh, it's a plant protein and so and they're moving us away from animals and it's all being yeah. done under under the guise yeah, of so climate change. So we just change. leave the grazing lands completely empty so they catch on fire all the time because that's what happens when there's no grazing animals eating all that grass. So it's in California in particular, so now the fields will be just fallow and dead with tall grass because it will rain. And then it'll catch on fire and you can blame that on global warming. So I, um, I sent that clip to my brother-in-law and uh, I followed it up with another clip from Joe Rogan. There was an episode he did with, I can't remember the lady's name. I can't even remember the clip. I just sent it and it got lost in the ether and Snapchat uh, disappearing messages. But there is a concerted effort to mess with food. To, I'm, I'm sorry, to mess with food. And this concerted effort has to do with 
um, basically the bottom line. So what's the most profitable? But not necessarily in the way that is uh, traditionally spoken of in the sense that, hey, we're just going to use synthetic materials. I mean, that, that, that is part of the case, but it's not just that there's, we're going to use synthetic materials because they're easier and cheaper to produce now that we have factories to do it. Because the R&D is not cheap. We'll, we'll get that out of the way. The R&D for any of these foods is not cheap at all. You have payroll, you have new synthetics, you have prototypes upon prototypes upon prototypes. And it's weird to say that about food, but th that's the case. And until you get something that, and then you have testing phases where you need to see if the taste and texture is proper for human consumption and for being a good selling tactic. So there's all that that goes into it in the upfront, but in the long run, it is more profitable and more, I don't want to say sustainable necessarily, but technically that's the case with the current systems we have in place. So there's a concerted effort to change the kind of food that we're eating. And it does affect the bottom line in that regard. That's not the one that I'm worried about. The one I'm worried about is the ESG bottom line. The ESG or economic, yeah, economic social governance bottom line is, now I haven't read all of the language behind it. So I'm going to do this now. I'm speaking on almost complete ignorance right now. So if anyone has anything to add to this, please do. So I don't look like a fool in the future because I kind of already feel like one right now. But as far as I'm understanding it, the ESG push is to make things more sustainable for the greenifying of the earth. And the fact that climate change is a real and uh, big threat that's going to take out the world. So we need to find better ways to farm and better ways to sustain or produce sustainable food sources for the masses. So what happens is, we're now getting into the realm of what can we produce as food for the masses that still has the necessary, what would you call it, nutrient density for the general population? What can we produce that does that on a budget, kind of, so to speak, and that isn't traditional? We want to make it new. We want to make it fresh. We want to make it cool, interesting. We want to sell it. We want to, I think there's also a, a certain element of, well, marketing is so stagnant. We need something new. We need to give ourselves a challenge to try and sell something in a something that shouldn't be sold to someone who really doesn't want to buy it. We want a challenge. I think there's an element to that to it. And that's where bugs comes into play. But there is some tomfoolery going on with our food supply. Now, I'm not sure exactly what everything is. All I know is what I'm hearing, especially from if anyone didn't recognize it, that's the No Agenda show, the clip that I pulled. That's John and Adam. Adam always brings up economic social governance and how it's affecting certain things. And that's where I'm basing most of my information off of. Now, obviously, I haven't had a full-on conversation with Adam to say, explain your line of reasoning that got you from point A to point C. But as far as I'm understanding, ha, AC, Adam Curry, that's crazy. I'm doing this without even knowing it. Point A to C, I'm not sure where, where your line of reasoning has brought you or how it's brought you to this point, but I'm following. I'm following, I'm just not sure of all the nitty-gritty details and what you've read that brings you to these conclusions. It does make sense, but a lot of things can make sense to you based on your own readings and your own research and your own uh, preconceived notions, even though that's not what it is, and that's called a spurious correlation. A spurious correlation is two things that are not related, but are 
coincidentally the same thing. As an example, every new Nickelback album, with every release of uh, with the release of every new Nickelback album, the suicide rate goes up. That's what's considered a spurious correlation. Same thing as what would it be? Maybe three, three. Uh, what would you say? Three examples of little boys who played with dolls and having it photographed. And then those three men becoming either psychopaths or, um, I don't know, school shooters or something. And how that's supposed to be the correlation to say, don't let your kids play with dolls because they'll turn into school shooters or psychopaths. That's not, that's not everything that's involved there. So that's what's considered a spurious correlation. So I'm not sure how he got to his rationale. I'm sure based on what I'm considering a spurious correlation. So I'd like to figure out more on my own. But for now, I'm thinking that there is some some definite tomfoolery going around or going on, going down with our food supply. And there is most likely financial incentive involved. And that financial incentive is your environmental social governance score. You are not investable unless you screw around with the food, unless you screw around and try new and interesting and economically friendly and environmentally friendly techniques to producing food that's new and cool and who knows what you're not getting any funding so i believe that's the case there that's my own opinion i need to back this up with science but for now i don't have that now i didn't get uh i want to go into this let me go into this Okay, here's the value for value segment. I got one boost from Pitar, and it's uh, great. <laughs> I love, I love that he's still here. Uh, unless, oh shoot, no, I lied. I think I already said this one. Uh, unless, no, 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 no. Here it is. Uh, he says I'm a huge fan of EFTs, extremely fungible tokens, kind of like Bitcoin. Also, guest format had a good flow. Thank you, thank you. I'm gonna try and continue to do that uh, as much as possible to have a guest on the show. It most likely won't be live uh, for the foreseeable future, unless for some reason I can find a co-host that will be permanent. Maybe it'll be my brother, maybe not. But it's it's kind of up to the situation. I, I don't know. There's there's a lot going on, and then like I said, when things get on the schedule, it's just like, ugh, I don't want to do this. So I don't know. We'll see. But thank you. Thank you again, Pitar. That is just wonderful. And if anyone else is receiving value from this podcast, please donate that back in either time, talent, or treasure. I follow the three T's. I'm value for value all the way. I even tried to convert my father-in-law to value for value. He speaks Romanian, so I had to translate that to him. So it translates uh, literally to valoare pentru valoare. And that's in Romanian, value for value. I explained to him as well as I could the the example of what it was. And, and I just basically finished up that extension on the house for him if you wanted to see that i believe that's on episode um 18 i think at, at the end of episode 18 if you fast forward on a, a modern podcast app or follow the chapter markers you can see the work that i did for him just finished it and I, he asked me how much do you want me to pay you and i told him hey i'm value for value you know if if i produced a product of value you put a number on it and you pay me what you think is fair and Obviously, I could get screwed over by some uh, heartless uh, bastards that don't want to pay me properly if I give them that incentive or that idea. But 
my father-in-law doesn't really fall into that camp. So I'm going to let him uh, give me a number that he thinks is fair, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to be value for value all the way in almost every endeavor uh, until I can do it in every endeavor. So that's, that's, the, um, that's the plan. But like I said before, and I'll say it again, anyone who donates, you get a big thank you and a mwah kiss from me. So, ah, it's the gayest thing I've done in a long time. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about, uh, shoot, three more things. Okay, three more things. And I'm going to try and make them a little bit quick. I'm coming up on the 40-minute mark, so I'm going to try and make this a little bit quick. Uh, or actually, one thing. I'm going to make a clip go through with Jordan Peterson. It's just a really quick thing. It's something that, that I had to show my wife because she's not a breakfast person, but I want you to listen to this. It's, I think, a minute and 30 seconds, but check this out. You cite a tired brain. Yep. yep. Sorry. Sorry about the background music. I tried to run this through the Moises app to remove the background soundtrack as one of those videos on YouTube that makes clips and puts background music. I'm sorry about that, but let's let's go back. You cite a tired brain, foggy thinking, as the reason to stop answering questions or giving a talk. How do you combat this while working or writing daily? Um, well, I eat a big breakfast relatively soon on waking. That really helps. If any of you out there are anxious, and many of you no doubt are, there'll be a large number of you who are anxious and don't eat breakfast. And there'll be a whole bunch of you out there who think, well, I don't eat breakfast. It isn't necessary. It's like, that's wrong. It's necessary. You fasted all night. If you load yourself cognitively or physiologically in the morning, your brain stressed will produce, um, will encourage your body to produce insulin. It will take all the blood sugar out of your blood and then you're done for the day. And then you'll be anxious. And another, a lot of the rest of you too, you'll find if you're anxious, try this. It's really, really interesting um, experiment. The next time you're anxious, go eat something. Eat like uh, eat some protein and fat would be best. You could have cheese and crackers. I'm not a big fan of carbohydrates, but whatever. Eat whatever you're willing to eat, but make it solid. Don't eat a peanut butter or don't eat a like a chocolate bar or something sweet. Eat something substantial, a piece of meat, a piece of cheese, some peanut butter, something like that. And then wait 10 minutes and see if you're less anxious. And try that for like two weeks. Every time you get anxious, eat something. Because then you can find out if your anxiousness, if your anxiety is linked to low blood sugar. And it's very likely that it is, especially if you also get irritable and foggy in your thinking. And so, and the best way to treat that, as far as I've been able to tell, and there's a decent literature on this, is to make sure that you eat a big breakfast. And you might say, well, I'm not hungry in the morning. It's like, who the hell cares if you're hungry? I didn't say enjoy your breakfast. I said eat it. That's not the same thing. So, yeah, that's uh, my wife is one of these people who does not eat breakfast. She hates breakfast mostly because she just she never did really eat breakfast and when she was in public school, she she never she never hung out at the the what you call it, breakfast line when she got there early. She just hung out with friends. She'd always skip school and go to uh, uh in Nampa where she went to high school. There's a strip next to the school she went to, which was Nampa High. There's a, a road that just has fast food restaurants the whole way. So she would just skip school and go to Sonic, Panda, whatever restaurant you could think of as much as possible when she could skip. So she would save all of her, what, hunger for lunchtime. So technically it was kind of like an intermittent fasting. But anyway, that carried on into her now 27 years of age. And she's one of these people who just does not like to eat 
breakfast. And I, I told her, you need to start eating breakfast. And I showed her this clip. And she thought it was kind of hilarious, that part. I thought it was hilarious, where he says, you know, no one asked you if you're going to enjoy it. No one told you to enjoy it. That's not the question. The question is, are you going to eat it? And you should eat your breakfast. So I thought that was pretty cool that that was there. Um, man, that guy's got a loud car. Yeah, I'm recording this in a, a kind of a loud environment, so sorry about that, but Moving on to this next point, I have uh, shoot, just a few things to go over, so I'll try and make this quick. Uh, Mar-a-Lago. I don't like talking about things right away, and this is still technically right in the news and in the news cycle, but I wanted to talk about a kind of a different take than most people have about what happened with the Mar-a-Lago raid. So, I think... And this is me being speculative again. This is just Claude trying to act like he knows something that he doesn't. So I'm operating off of ignorance again. But I think Trump got a call from a reporter. And I think that this reporter tipped him off in a different way. I think this reporter tipped him off saying that they were going to run stories calling the Mar-a-Lago search something democratic and run with that in the news cycle. I think they were going to run it like that because Trump knew and everyone in the know New And I think this reporter was kind of like, a, hey, we already have these stories pre-printed. It's going to go out and we know that this is going to happen. So we're going to have these pre-written stories that are going to try and slander Trump before we run into the, these uh, midterms that are coming up. So he can't endorse anyone and anyone he endorses is uh, equally as terrible as he is now with this extra piece of information. And I think Trump decided to get ahead of it. By calling people in the news places and spin the narrative. I think this was the whole point because if we go back to the origin the origin of this whole news cycle, the reason why it has a slant that actually puts Trump in a positive light with not just his voter base but anyone who had the the moderates and even some people on the left I think that they're following this with a little bit more open minds now, at least the people on the left and the moderates, and then his base is just fired up. I think they're following it because they called it a raid and not a search. That one twisting of the wording right there where Trump called in was irate on the telephone, was just all sorts of excited, calling and using, uh, what was it called, colorful language on the phone call. He's the one who reported it. It happened. There were no photos. There was nothing going on from the beginning. He reported that this is what happened and the news ran with it. And they ran with it with that in mind, what Trump told them, nothing else. So because of that, I think that he actually got ahead of it based on a tip. I think everyone already knew that this was going to go down. I think Trump already knew this, that it was everyone had to have known that this was already going to go down because it is a legal thing unless it truly was a raid. Now, I don't think it was truly a raid. I think it was simply a, a search. It was a search that was legal. Everything was done through the proper systems. Everything went down properly. I mean, to, to a degree. But Trump, to get ahead of this and to use every situation to his advantage, went ahead and went forth with this play, calling it a raid versus a search. That's my two Satoshis on the subject. Uh, moving on. Moving on, because I don't want to say any more than I don't know or what I can speculate on. Moving on. 
I have one more clip for you, and then it is just the end of the show. Uh, after after uh, what? Three more topics. <laughs> three more topics. They're they're gonna be kind of quick, but this is the next clip. It's uh from the Andrew Huberman Andrew Huberman Huberman podcast, and this guy, man, man, this guy. I listened to one show of his where he's talking to Joe Rogan about just everything, home supplements and medications. And man, I just learned way too much, but I didn't take notes. So it's all just kind of floating around and I need to start doing better with note taking. But anyway, I, I want to play this clip for you. It's on uh, clenbuterol. And there's a, uh, a drug, clenbuterol, that is, it creates a lot of increase in core body temperature. It helps you burn fat, but it also has this effect of, of maintaining muscle. So it's not really a steroid. It's not working on hormones. It's working on the so-called autonomic nervous system, heating and cooling of the body. And this is, I believe, because he cuts a lot of weight. And uh, yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when guys cut weight, one of the things that happens during these, uh, I mean, it's not just starvation, but it's also massive dehydration and you have a lot of decreased bodily function that's directly related to that. Yeah, um, the kidneys don't yeah. like dehydration. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. You know, and yeah. salt balance is so key. And mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, you know, I always say this, you know, people who think they have low blood sugar, please try putting a little bit of salt in a glass of water and drinking it first. So that one kind of cut off a little bit abruptly, but it's, uh, and that little bit, a uh, little tidbit at the end, if you're, uh, if you feel like you're low on blood sugar, before you start uh, trying to medicate that with anything sugary or with uh, going to the doctor and saying, I think I have low blood sugar, try the salt thing first and see if maybe your salt intake isn't as high as it should be. Uh, salt is kind of demonized, and, and that's just, it's, people have their reasons for it, but that doesn't mean that that's the uh, problem to most of your medical concerns. So try and self-medicate in this way first before you go to anyone who's just going to say, based on what, what we previously understood in medicine, this might help you try it out and there may be these side effects before you go in into that rabbit hole try this one first it's simple but the clenbuterol thing kind of got to me and i was thinking of i mean i'm a i'm a bit of a more scrawny dude in nature um i don't know what what it's called a uh, ectomorph i think i think end, endomorph is the uh i think endomorph is the one that's the bulkier one I think the ectomorph is the super scrawny one. I think the mesomorph is in the middle. I think I'm in the middle of mesomorph and ectomorph. I think that's how it works. But And everyone's confused on this topic. But I'm the guy who's a little bit more scrawny. And I would love to get a little bit more bulky. I'd love it. I'd love to be in a body size that's a little bit more bulky because I seem like a toothpick. I, I, I seem like milk toast. Like I could just be pushed around and this is getting into a little bit of my, uh, what do you call it? Um self-esteem problems that I have, but I feel like I would be much more happy in a body that's a little bit more bulky, but I have a hard time putting on muscle mass, a very hard time putting on muscle mass. I went to do some sales in Indiana for a good month and a half to two months. I sucked at it um, pretty badly. Just because I can talk doesn't mean I can sell, so I'm not the best at that, and I think it kind of shows, and that's why I'm value for value, value of poverty here, because I'm not a good salesman. And it just doesn't go well with the ethos that I carry in my day-to-day life, uh, the salesman mindset. I just don't, I don't think it works for me. But anyway, I went out there and there was something that the sales, one thing that salesmen have is they have a good mindset on bettering yourself as a human being. So they tell you to pick three things you're going to do every single day and form good habits. One of mine was read the Bible every day. Every morning, read at least, at least 
a few verses. I mean, at least open it up and read. Whether you complete a chapter or not, that's up to you, and then you can have that own your own moral dilemma later. But read the Bible. Second one was to learn a new language. So I started studying French uh, one day, Spanish one day, and Romanian a little bit more the next day, just so I could get better at speaking the languages. Uh, Romanian, the one I already speak a bit of, quite a bit now. Uh, French, I took in high school. I can still understand a good amount of it. Uh, some of it's still a little choppy. And Spanish, I just want to learn because I work with a lot of Mexicans in every trade that I've ever worked. So I want to speak Spanish a lot better for that reason. But during that time, working out was part of my day-to-day routine. Read the Bible, learn a new language, and work out. I think I said those three. But working out was one of them. And luckily for me, I mean, this is actually pretty lucky, a guy on our sales crew was an award-winning bodybuilder. I mean, he wasn't uh, extremely bulky, but he was cut. I mean, he was really cut. And every time that I would work out, it would be at the same time in the morning as this dude. So I found some uh, formula online. Uh, I can't remember what the uh, graph was or the the breakdown was. I think I have it on here. Hold on. Um, Work out. Do I have that on here? Uh, It's in. There it is. I do have it. Perfect. So it's from How to Beast. That. I love how iPhone indexes things. I mean, it sucks for security, but it's great. Okay, so the How to Beast website, uh, Beast Industries LLC, put out a beginner bulking routine that you can follow just to start. Just to start. It's a good starting jumping off point. And I use this for the amount of time that I would do working uh, my, my workouts out there in Indiana. So I'll just read to you from this page, and I'll actually link this in the podcasting 2.0 chapters, I'll link it to a shared iCloud drive folder so anyone who wants it can get it. But uh, here it is. It says you'll work out three days per week. This routine is designed to perform on non uh, three non-consecutive days each week. For example, Monday workout A, Wednesday workout B, Friday workout A, start the next week with workout B. So this is non, uh, what is it called? Non-consecutive days. So I couldn't do this every day, but there was an exception for that. Anyway, uh, perform one exercise at a time, how to select your starting weights for every exercise, Start, uh, select the weight that allows you to reach your target reps with good form, how to increase the weight when you, can compl- when you can complete the target reps for every set, then add five pounds to that exercise. Workout A, barbell squat, barbell bench press, seated cable row, dumbbell shoulder fly, barbell curl, and sit-ups. Then it has a certain number of sets, certain number of reps, and a uh, rest period. Following each of these routines should take you roughly one hour to complete. 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how stringent you are with your rest times and you know how good you are at setting up your equipment and all sorts of things. But it should take you roughly one hour to complete. I followed this, and for a month and a half to two months, I was, I mean, dedicated. I was just on it. And I didn't see crazy gains. I got cut more. I'm not going to say I didn't get cut more. And I actually followed this up with good dieting too. There was a lot of, I mean, almost all my carbs were cut out because I was living with the lead sales rep who was uh, on the keto diet and I would just share some of his food and he would tell me what he buys normally and I would buy that as well whenever I went out to go get food for the week. So I was eating pretty clean. It wasn't completely carb-free because I would buy things with carbs while he would just share with me things that had zero carbs, and that's how it went. But not very many gains. Like, I did get more cut. I'm not going to lie. I got 
a pretty de- uh, pretty good definition in my muscle tone, but that's it. So to hear of a thing called clenbuterol that's not a steroid, doesn't have the same side effects, if any at all, and that it helps you build muscle mass, I was like, wow, I should I should probably I, sh- I should probably try something like this. That would be pretty yeah yeah that'd be pretty good. And so that might be something that I do. Maybe we'll see. I have plenty of other ideas. Speaking of ideas, haha, good uh, good segue. I have almost perfected my transcript database for YouTube. So if anyone wants to do studies, if anyone wants to do studies, and I have an example of this. So I got my face cut open. Man, this is a lot has happened in two weeks, but I got my face cut open three days ago to remove a cyst that it, it wasn't painful. It wasn't gross. It was just obtrusive and annoying. And it made me look like I had, um, what would it be? Maybe a, not quarter inch. Yeah, probably a quarter inch tall off the surface of the skin uh, cyst just growing. And it just, it didn't look right. So I had it removed. And while I was in there, I talked to the um, surgeon, doctor, whatever you want to call him, the guy who was cutting my face open. And I asked him how he studied in med school. And he said he used a lot of flashcards because this was pre-internet. But also, there was a service that was provided by the college. Now, you'd have to pay the students that would do this, and this was their side hustle. You would pay the students who transcribed the lecture that was pre-recorded for the typewritten notes. Because in med school, if anyone knows anything about doctors, their handwriting is just crap. It's just not, it's not even handwriting. It's not even digni- it doesn't deserve the term chicken scratch even. They can't read their own handwriting, so why would they even take notes? And he tried, his handwriting sucked, and his structure was terrible because he was trying to focus at the same time, so it, it just turned out to not be a thing. So he went and got all the transcribed notes. So for anyone who has an instructor, and, and this would be good for the CS50, the Harvard class for computer science, um, that is free and open source for anyone trying to learn computer science, they also have the Python course, use this tool. If you want to learn anything, YouTube automatically transcribes everything that is uploaded. Everything. They're not perfect, obviously, but as far as free and as far as as close to accurate as can be, they're very good. So this tool is going to have been going through the screen right now. If you have a podcasting 2.0 app, go to my GitHub. That's where it's going to take you to. And there's a bash script that you can use on any Linux machine. Now, there's the problem. I haven't fixed this for Windows. I haven't got it working for Mac yet. And at that point, this is going to be my own journey to make better scripts and to work GitHub better and make things cross-platform and all sorts of different things. But if you have a Linux machine, go ahead and download the, uh, the GitHub repo, clone it to your machine, to any folder that you'd like, and there's a readme in there that you can use to explain how to do everything. I need to update the readme just a little bit. But if you know anything about code at all, bash scripts included, anything about YouTube DLP, anything about uh, what you call it, standard Linux bash functions, you should, I'm, I'm a pleb when it comes to this, extreme pleb. I'm still, I don't know anything about bash and I put this thing together. So if anyone knows anything about it, you should be able to figure this out. I will update the readme to be more user friendly, but for now, it works. And I believe I've attached screenshots of how it works. I'm going to upload a uh, YouTube video that will explain the process as well. But there it is. I uploaded my first official GitHub repo with a fully functioning bash script once you chmod your folder to make it executable, or sorry, the uh, script to make it executable, and everything works well. 
everything should be run with one script, everything. But I mean, it's, it's great. I'm going to make it a, I'm going to do my best to make it a single bash script, a single executable file that does everything for you. But it's, it's pretty much self-explanatory. So have fun, anyone who wants to use that. It will download entire channels. So if you just go to the person's video page, get their link to that page, it will download the transcripts for every single video in the feed, no matter how many videos there are. Thousands, doesn't matter. And it, once it gets to thousands, it depends on your internet connection. And at that point, it can take, and, and your processing power. But then it, it can take anywhere from, I don't know, depending on how many videos there are. I, my channel has 16 videos that are short and that took about two minutes tops. I think it was a minute and 30 seconds. I think I timed it at that. Uh, and then the YouTube channel for a pastor that I listened to with, uh, I think it's 3000 videos or 6,000 videos. And some of them are an hour and a half long. That one took roughly six hours. That was with my little surface book pro from 2000 and what, like 15, I think. But it works. It works and it works well. Then you just, it, and it, it does everything, every single thing. So it already converts it into Markdown. And if you want to use that with Obsidian on your laptop, do that with Obsidian on your laptop because Markdown is the index, uh, the file type that Obsidian notes indexes easiest. So it makes everything searchable, which is great. And then you can link notes together and use it as a research tool. So that's, that's what I recommend. But yeah, everything's there. Go for it. Have fun. Go crazy. Next point, Guitar Center. So I said I was going to come back to this. I am going to upgrade my setup very soon here. And uh, very soon here being by November is my plan. I'm going to upgrade my setup because I just confirmed that my iPad using the app that I use, which is Backpack Studio, can use a Scarlett Focusrite interface, whether that's the uh, 2i2, the I think the 4i4, or first gen, second gen, doesn't matter, as long as it has USB-C. I think is what it needs. It might even work with the uh, uh, USB, I think it's B, just the audio cable input. I think that can even work as long as you have your OTG uh, USB to lightning connector connected to your iPad. I believe it should work just fine. Or if you have a USB-C iPad, it should work just fine. But that is what I'm going to upgrade to. I'm going to get the Scarlett Focusrite. I'm going to get a... Uh, Procaster, the Rode Procaster 2, I think it's what it's called, a Rodecaster, whatever you call it. I want to get that. But if I can't get that yet, then I'm just going to get the Scarlett 2i because these are expensive. I mean, the the focus the focus right itself is like 160 bucks pre-owned or I think between 70 and 160 pre-owned and brand new, I think it's 160 to 200, I think. I forget. And then the Procaster or Rodecaster, whatever you call it, is is about 700 from Guitar Center. And that's leaving out the microphone. I have one of those uh, Shure SM58s, just the standard ones that you, you see everywhere. I have one of those, but I don't know about the sound profile because I haven't tested that one yet. Because, uh, because I went into Guitar Center and I tested out the microphones that they have on display and oh my goodness. Like, I can't believe it. I cannot believe how good they are. How good they sound, just the clarity, the... The presence, the, the oomph behind it, it's just beautiful. Now, obviously, there was a good set of cans there that I could put on my ears to listen to and get the, the, the proper sound, but it's just amazing. The noise gating is almost perfect just with what they have on display, so I can fine-tune that a lot better that way and get a good sound profile, get 
really good audio because right now I'm doing pretty well with the Blue Snowball. Pretty well. The noise gate needs to be adjusted a bit more. I need to get in a better sound treated environment, but it's all right for now. And I even, ooh, I had a email conversation with Adam Curry. Uh, very short one. He's he's a busy dude, but it was good enough for him to give me some some advice on making audio better, especially on uh, what do you call it? Co-host episodes, because on the last one, co-host was noticeably quieter. The noise gate cut him out quite a bit more than it should have. There was a lot of noise on his end because his microphone sucked, but a lot of things could be changed and to make it better would be to use better services. I reached out to the to the guys at Backpack Studio to see if they could do auto compression on the uh, guest side because that, that wasn't the case. It only compresses uh, the host side, a whole lot of things. But he told me the audio wasn't terrible. And I know that's not a compliment. That's more of a it could be better kind of thing, a glass half empty versus half glass full kind of statement. But it made me happy to hear him say that it wasn't half bad with this setup that I have going here. So thanks to the guys at Backpack Studio because they're doing great work. Really great work. <laughs> Last thing. Or you know what? I'll save that for next time. I'll save that for next time. This is already an hour and uh, people probably have better things to do with their time than listen to <laughs> listen to a whole nother section on something that is going to be saved for the next time. But next time I'm going to do a book review on what's called uh, on the book called the checklist manifesto i'm planning on doing this for pretty much every episode because i'm getting to a to a point where reading is more commonplace for me and i have a couple books in the lineup that i'm reading right now and i'm going to do book reviews on those as well and that'll just be a last portion of every podcast episode and like i said before if anything is to be more spiritual in nature from now on into the future i'm going to let you know the podcast episode beforehand this one was kind of, I'm sorry, if, if you don't appreciate that. But I'm not sorry that I let you know where I stand on things. I'm not going to be arrogant about it. I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to apologize for it, but I am apologizing that it took you by surprise. So, because I don't believe that I should do that. That's, that's why I'm apologizing. Anyway, uh, I'm done here. This is it. I'm going to uh, run this out with a, a song. I don't know if this guy, I don't think this guy's a Christian, but it's a good song. I like it because it, it speaks to the things that Christians go through all the time. Man, if I, if this was, if, if I was getting paid for this, I'd be sued, but I'm not getting paid for this. And even then I might get, uh, uh, an, an email or something letting me know that I need to stop putting these songs in my podcast. But until then I'm going to play us out with some things. I have, a uh, a pretty good end of show ISO, but I'm going to run it out with the song, then the end of show ISO, and then the five stars bit, and that'll be it. So I hope you all have a good uh, good rest of your day, whatever you guys are doing, and thanks for stopping by. Thanks for checking this out one more time. I'll say it. Last thing. Um, in, in the show notes, you'll see I added a link to my Snap Tea website where I put together some t-shirts. If anyone wants to take a look at that, go for it. I'm going to order some of my own because I just want t-shirts that I've designed just because it'd be cool to say I designed my own t-shirt. But if anyone wants to support the show in that way, go for it. A lot of it goes to Snap Tea, but some of it comes to me. So that'd be great for me if you wanted to support me that way. Um, that's it. I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Peace.
If there's a heaven, I hope that I get him, but I probably won't. Yeah, I break all the rules, do all the things the Bible says don't. I don't change my ways, I don't change my shirt. I go from the club. Straight to the church It's the same prayer It's the same hurt Maybe I drink too much Falling in out of love There's been a couple times I've done a couple lines I lied to my mama Smoked marijuana Most of the time I do what I wanna You might not believe it But I still talk to Jesus Yeah, I've got a past more stained than the glass Everyone knows I need salvation For my reputation So here it goes I don't change my ways I don't change my shirt I go from the club Straight to the church it's the same prayer It's the same earth Maybe I drink too much Falling in out of love There's been a couple times I've done a couple Most of the time, I do what I wanna You might not believe it But I still talk to Jesus Hallelujah, amazing grace Just trying to do better Most of the time, I 
Retarded. Can my podcast give me five stars?